come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. Here we are. Welcome back to the podcast from outer space. It's your boy Rob Scott. We got Billy the Kid, aka the Korean Cowboy, in the studio. Yeehaw! What's going on, world? <laughs> and as always, it's Ryan Scott. Greetings, Earthlings. And welcome to episode 108, where we will be doing the second part of our Skinwalker Ranch episode. Yes, in our last episode, we took a look at the Uinta Basin and the many atrocities that have taken place there throughout history, as well as numerous tales and legends of the tribes that inhabited this land, including, but not limited to, the infamous Skinwalker, where the titular ranch gets its name from. So in this episode, we are going to look at the UFOs that have been witnessed over the Uinta Basin since the early 50s, as well as encounters and high strangeness on the ranch itself, government involvement, scientific research, and of course, some theories as to what the hell is up with this ranch. So saddle the fuck up one <laughs> last time as we close out our series on Skinwalker Ranch. Now, as we said... Uh, you know, we will get into the Sherman family and their account as they became the basis for the book Hunt for the Skinwalker, uh, which is why anybody knows about this whole thing. Um, however, prior to the Sherman's experiences in the mid-90s, residents and visitors to this area of Utah have reported countless UFO sightings since the 1950s. Um, now, we discussed this gentleman last episode. You remember um, the retired science teacher, Joseph Hicks, Joseph Jr. Hicks, who kind of gave it the name? Junior. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure you made that exact joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do remember him. Okay, so this guy, he helped a gentleman by the name of Frank B. Salisbury. Um, the state guy? Yeah, the state guy. This guy literally looks like uh, Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. Uh, there's like an old picture in, in one of the books I was reading. You crazy um, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, you, you spent so much time wondering if you could. Um, now, this guy, uh, he wrote a book. Uh, he wrote the book titled The Utah UFO Display, which I, I think we got into that a little bit last episode. Um, now, this book cataloged more than 400 UFO sightings in Utah, uh, with a good majority of them taking place within the Uinta Basin. Um, now, I was getting into this book. So in the book, they, they sort of document numerous reports of UFOs, uh, numbering in the hundreds, uh, in, you know, including everything from strange fireballs to aircraft ranging in size from 20 feet across to as large as a few as to as large as a football field. Uh, now, all these craft have various shapes, including round, oval, cigar-shaped, and even triangle. triangular. Uh, some craft were even reported to have windows with beings spotted inside. And some were surrounded by a glowing green light. Others emitted wavy red beams. And some appeared to shoot colored lights from their underbellies. Uh, now, the book is pretty interesting, I will say. They go... Uh, it kind of reminds me of some of the Blue Book stuff written by J. Allen Hynek. They go case by case, 
Uh, they kind of break down each sighting. And now obviously, you know, some of the sightings are explained by meteors or, or planets um, that were visible on a certain night, most notably Venus, which is, I feel like, always a culprit in UFO cases. Um, but there is still a shitload of sightings that have they have no explanation for. Uh, you know, and this isn't like one or two sightings with like a lone witness out in the fucking country. Some of these have dozens of witnesses and there's hundreds of people reporting and seeing these things. Uh, now, it's so much by the 1970s, the Utah Highway Patrol was getting so many UFO calls that troopers stopped filling out incident reports. Um, now, I guess it's also like, you know, what can they really do? Somebody reports a fucking UFO to a, a highway patrolman. They're probably going to say meow a bunch of times. You know? <laughs> We're going to have to pull them yeah. over there. You know, it's like, what can they do other than just log the reports? You know, it's not like they can fucking shoot this motherfucker down. Yeah, we're bringing in Yeah, the because by the time they, yeah, by the time they hear like, oh, there, there's reports of UFOs, they're probably gone by that point. Yeah. Um, so what can they do about it? Yeah. Now, I mean, we got anything on these early UFO sightings? Like, what are we thinking about this? Is it intriguing or, I mean, what do we got? It's interesting that it all happens around the 50s. Well, yeah, because what? This is like the, I mean, this is like the UFO explosion, dude, you know? Well, yeah, right after Roswell, everyone's seeing UFOs. Yeah, Roswell is the catalyst, dude. And maybe that's the first time these fucking space aliens sort of found out about Earth. Could that be? Maybe. Crash <laughs> landing is possible. Okay. But it also, I think that, you know, like we, I remember last episode when we were talking about the history of the area, you know, this is at least for me, like th that episode was like, oh, well, there's been so many weird uh, like accounts and like experiences of strange shit happening in one in that same area, you know, where it's like, I mean, the government even sent people to, to investigate it. So it, it, it's definitely interesting. It's weird that it starts in the 50s, but uh, it's just it's just crazy how much shit has actually like gone down there allegedly and the government sent people to investigate it not that that really like means that much but it's just it's just weird you know it's because like last episode when we were talking about the history I, I remember rob and i were like oh shit well because normally we can be pretty skeptic about stuff but but there's just so much on skinwalker that it just makes you question okay so this then are you thinking is possibly the same phenomena maybe it's just evolving yeah, potentially. I mean, it could be the same phenomena, just manifested in different ways. And maybe, okay. the, maybe the aliens are just friends with the uh, skinwalkers. Oh, okay. Yeah, they became pals. Yeah, they're just <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> okay, now... I gotta right. stop by and see my buddy, the skinwalker. Now, okay, so around the same time that all these sightings were happening, um, local ranchers began to report bizarre cattle mutilations. And this is where the ranch really comes into play. Um, now if we get into like a history of the ranch itself, so the Skinwalker Ranch, which, uh, as we know from our last episode, got its name from shape-shifting witches that haunt the area, uh, was, uh, the house on the property first, uh, built in 1812 by General Custard, 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so General the, Custard. The area was first. Area. Uh, the area was first homesteaded by the Myers family as early as 1905, um, and at first only consisted of a few small buildings on the northwest corner of the ranch at the foot of Skinwalker Ridge. Uh, now later, the original homestead was abandoned. And the Myers established a new home on the eastern side of the ranch. Now, by the 1930s, it was occupied by Kenneth Myers and his wife, Edith Myers. Um, They stayed on the property until 1987. And it is interesting to note here, during their time on the ranch, well over 50 years, they made no reports of any strange occurrences or sightings. Though some of their neighbors did, they uh, reported some of these UFOs, that type of shit that we saw in the in the Utah UFO display. Now that's pretty crazy, though. Fifty years of just no <laughs> yeah. reports. Basically. Yeah, I mean, so you'd think yeah. they would have experienced like maybe a dinosaur in the backyard or something. Yeah, I mean, out. yeah, we'll get into that. I have a whole segment on like this whole conundrum in our in our theories, but um, you know, moving along with the history, so. 95 to 96, we get the Sherman family. Now, the government interest and the whole current phenomena at the ranch can really be traced back to when the Sherman family purchased the property in the mid-90s. And the Sherman family, I don't know if you guys dove into any like firsthand research, but they're also they're referred to as the Gorman family. Uh, I believe that this first started happening in the book Hunt for Skinwalker that George Knapp refers to them as the Gormans to like protect them from uh, reporters, that sort of shit. Um, But, you know, the since there's been a ton of articles, it's the Sherman family uh, is their real name. So if you're diving into some research and you see Gorman family, Sherman family, and you're thinking, you know, what the heck, geez, what the heck is all this stuff? It's, it's the, the Sherman family is ba- the Gordon family is basically, uh, um, what are you, a synonym, a fucking, uh, a cover name for the Sherman family. Their alias. Yes. Now, now after the Myers family vacated the ranch in 1987, it stood empty for seven years before it was purchased by Terry and Gwen Sherman in 1994. Uh, and I could not find how much they purchased the property for. Um, now, this is where things start to get weird. The very day they took possession, the family spotted a large coyote or a wolf in one of their pastures, which soon approached them. Making its way to a livestock pen, it then grabbed a calf by the nose, trying to drag it through the bars. Now, Terry Sherman and his son then began to beat the animal, striking it in the ribs, uh, trying to make it release the calf. Uh, This was unsuccessful. Uh, Now, Sherman then shot the animal with a 357 Magnum at point-blank range, Uh, but still the wolf held on to the calf. After another shot, it released the calf and just stood there, calmly looking at them. Uh, after a few more shots, the animal just sort of trotted off. Uh, now a they were, few more, so he just yeah. unloaded a clip. From yeah, this a guy. Yeah, he, into this wolf. Well, I think he had a three fifty seven, and then he actually got like a hunting rifle when it was running off and shot it. Uh, now there was no report of of blood or any sign of injury to the animal. 
Uh, they proceeded to follow the tracks of this animal for about a mile before they just suddenly ended as if the creature simply vanished. Now, what are we thinking here, guys? Got picked up by his aliens. <laughs> yeah. So you think this was a skinwalker and he's in cahoots with some aliens, possibly? Yeah. Okay. I that I mean, I did hear about this incident that happened i didn't realize it happened the first day they they got possession of the property yeah first but it's day. also weird to think that the prior owners that lived there for 50 straight years did not report a single thing and then the, and then this family moves in and the first day there's a giant wolf that's <laughs> yeah. like that's like indestructible a giant wolf like, that's fucking bulletproof you can't kill it yeah bulletproof wolf dude did they buy the cows with the land um I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, the guy, Terry, was like a a cattle like breeder. Like he had a bunch of like prized livestock. You know, Mm. he was good at this shit. Um, Okay. So we're thinking this is a bit odd, right? A little bit. To say the least. Okay. Now, now I I found a few articles where where Terry's interviewed and uh, he noted that the ranch's previous owners, the Myers, um, who had no children... They did not have a son named Michael, um, but they had lived there since the 1930s, as we said. And Mr. Myers had died 15 years previously, and Miss Meyer lived there by herself for seven more years before she died. She Um, did have a dog, though, I read. Yes, yes. We'll get into that. Um, Wasn't completely by herself. Yeah. Now, they left the ranch to Kenneth's brother, Garth Myers, and... um, when the Shermans moved in, they noticed heavy dog chains bolted by each of the four exterior doors. Uh, now, they assumed that the couple had a dog, which they moved from chain to chain to keep out of the blistering Utah sun. Um, but Terry inquired about the dog from a previous ranch hand who said, that, no, the Myers had four huge, ferocious dogs, which they kept chained by each of the doors. Now, this turns out to be a bit of an exaggeration. As uh, Garth claimed that his brother and sister-in-law, they never had any more than two dogs at one time. Um, now, the Shermans also noticed the inside of every door in the house was outfitted with a heavy deadbolt. At the center of the house was a hallway area with its access doors bolted. And in the hallway was a closet which also had a deadbolt on the inside of the closet door. Uh, so like, what are we thinking there? I mean, that's straight out of a fucking Stephen King novel, right? Yeah. Maybe these people were fucking psychos. Maybe not psycho. Maybe that's just like a panic room, dude. They call that a Utah panic room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe they, maybe they were just terrified of whatever, you know. Okay. So we were just saying they didn't report anything for 50 years. Maybe they did experience things, but they didn't report it because they were just very, I mean, they didn't have any kids like. They probably were, they may have been like reclusive or something. And they're just like, okay, well, let me put these locks on the inside of doors. And, yeah. Because, or if they were paranoid yeah. or something. Right. Or maybe they had some treasure. Or see, it's like, um, maybe they're doing some Dahmer stuff. See, these two, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, God. These two uh, statements, though, came from Hunt for Skinwalker. So it's like, I'm not really too sure how true it is. Cause like we said, the, the four dogs, that was an exaggeration. Like the brother said they never had any more than two dogs at one time. And even that was like staggered. 
Um, so, you know, it is, it is questionable whether, um, this stuff was true or not, but, but I guess it is strange. Now. They're just adding to the tall tale. Yeah. So they move in there and all of a sudden these fucking strange events start happening. Like they would unload groceries, um, and Gwen would go upstairs, find that the groceries were like back on the kitchen table, uh, you know, weird shit like her towels in the bathroom would go missing, even though the door was locked. Items start going missing around the farm, you know, like tools start missing. Um, so, you know, this phenomena was probably like Bam Margera living out on the ranch. <laughs> hey, guys, oh today God. we're going to take Terry's shovel and hide it in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. We're fucking with Gwen today. <laughs> I mean, what it is like a fucking so they're saying this is just like a prankster fucking phenomenon. Prank ghost prank. Ghost pranks, dude. Maybe it's like the the, the redneck neighbor next door, you know. Just, <laughs> just stealing their stuff. Yeah, he's just stealing their stuff. He's, he's he lives at home and he's cows. like forty five or something. He's like, Oh, ain't got nothing to do today besides just fuck with, you know. <laughs> Let's go over to Skimwalker real quick. Okay. Now, shortly after moving in and experiencing this this strange activity, an article appeared in the Utah newspaper, The Desert News. Now, this is considered by many to be the founding document in Skinwalker Ranch lore. And, you know, I got to say, it's a, it's a very well-written, very entertaining article. And I'll actually link it in the descriptions. I found the original article, which is where I pulled a lot of this from. Um, because, you know, we got to go back to the fucking founding source here. So articles titled frequent flyers by Zach Van Eyck. Uh, and this appeared, as I said, in the Deseret news on June 29th, 1996. Now in the article, uh, the Sherman family reported crop circles, cryptids, poltergeist activity, lots of mutilated cattle. And of course, UFO sightings. No dinosaurs this time, though? Uh, I think they do. Have, I mean, there's dinosaurs in there, but I don't think that's until NIDS comes along. Mm, okay. um, now, the article does give an overview of the area as well. So if you want you know, more info, I'll, uh, like I said, I'll link it in the description. Uh, but I pulled the pieces mainly talking about the Sherman's experiences. Um, and also, if this article came out in 96, the book came out in 2005, why the name change for the book? Did they just anticipate that the book was going to be bigger? Because they go by the Shermans in this article, but then they have their name switched in the book. So I thought that was a bit strange, but well, I guess... These people seem like they're a bit strange. Okay. Okay. Just bit. Now, just because of their stories? I mean, why do you think they're strange? You're not, you're not believing them right off the bat, huh? No. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into some of their experiences, you know, and, and Rob, keep an open mind here, you know. <laughs> now, so the Shermans and their teenage son and 10-year-old daughter um, reported seeing three specific types of UFOs repeatedly during the past 15 months uh, from which the article was written. Um, so they reported a small box-like craft with a white light, a 40-foot-long object, and a huge ship the size of several football fields. Uh, now, they've seen one craft emit a wavy red ray or a light beam as it flies along. They've seen, another, they've seen other airborne lights, some of which have emerged from orange circular doorways that seem to appear in midair. 
now, it's reported that they videotaped two of these sightings. Um, they once discovered three circles of flattened grass, each about eight feet across in a triangular pattern around 30 feet from each other in a nearby pasture. Other strange soil impressions have been found, uh, circles about three feet wide, a foot or two deep, with dirt in the center perfectly flattened. Uh, one of the flying lights followed Gwen's car on her way home from work one night, and while out in one of the fields with the family dogs, Terry heard male voices speaking an unfamiliar language. Uh, the voices seemed to be about 25 feet above him, but Terry couldn't see a thing. Now, as he listened closely, he could distinctly hear two voices speaking an unknown language. Terry described it as choppy, like a cross between Russian and Native American. <laughs> now, um... Now, one voice had a deep, resonant tone, and the other was higher pitched. Um, now, Terry yelled into the air. We can hear you. And the voices stopped momentarily. And the deeper voice broke into a low, rumbling laugh. <laughs> and then the conversation just went on as before. <laughs> Now, further, now, furthermore, Svedka. Fuck yeah. Now, furthermore, uh, the Shermans have linked these strange sightings with the death and disappearance of at least seven of their cows. Uh, four have disappeared without a trace, and three others have been found dead and partially mutilated. What if someone's just stealing their cows? Well, we'll get there. Now, Terry said, quote, now we've seen the ufos enough and we know pretty much what the craft look like it's definitely associated with the cattle mutilations we see the crafts and the cattle we have problems <laughs> <laughs> we have problems now let's get it so let's get into the cattle mutilations rob as you said you know how do they know someone's not just stealing this shit well let's take a look at this so soon after the sightings began the shermans found one of their cows dead in a field it had a peculiar peculiar hole in the center of its left eye but was otherwise untouched with no trace of blood there was no evidence of predators footprints or tire tracks and a strange chemical-like odor was present now later another dead cow was found with a similar hole in its left eye a six inch hole only about an and a six inch hole only about an inch deep carved out of its rectum Nice. Same chemical smell was noticeable. Now, cattle mutilations have been reported across the United States since the 60s, uh, particularly in the Western states. Uh, now, in classic, we'll say, mutilation cases, <clears throat> the anus is cored out and the cow's, um, the cow's udders and genitalia are removed, all with laser-like precision and no visible signs of blood. Uh, now, the Shermans who kept kept close watch on their cattle believe they may have interrupted the mutilators before they were able to finish. Um, and now then cows began disappearing altogether. And Terry would say, quote, we about rode the saddle horses to death looking for the cattle till we realized they were vanishing. 
Now, one appeared to be lifted from the snow where it stood. Uh, the Sherman saw the cow's hoof prints leading into the field, but the prints stopped at the edge of the field near some trees. Um, the area where the cow apparently took its last steps was surrounded by a circle of broken twigs and branches. Above, Terry noticed the tops of the trees appeared to have been cut off. If it's snow, he said it's hard for a 1,200 to 1,400 pound animal to just walk off without leaving tracks or stop and walk backwards completely, never missing a track. Uh, it was just gone. It was very bizarre, he said. Um, now, the last of the three dead cows was found in January in a clump of trees at the edge of the same field. The cow, which had been seen alive by the Sherman son just five minutes earlier, had a six-inch wide, 18-inch deep hole cored out of its rectum and extending into the body cavity. There was no blood on the cow or the snow, and the same chemical odor was apparent. There was a circle of twigs around the fallen cow, and tops of trees appeared severed. So they're so, just drilling into these cows and fucking <coughs> filling them with hydrochloric acid? Yeah, I mean, I guess, what are we thinking here about cattle mutilations, or I guess really any of the Sherman sightings up until this point? You're thinking it's Jeffrey Dahmer out there trying to make some <laughs> cow zombies? <laughs> I was just kidding. Yeah, exactly. Maybe some bestiality or something. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Christ. Well, I I do know that, um, like in in like the Hunt for the Skinwalker series, you know, they there, there's like a part of an episode where there was like a, apparently a cattle that was mutilated in like a similar fashion, and they like bring like a vet in and stuff, like a like a, a large animal vet or whatever, and they're just like, oh, this is strange. There's no blood. There's no, yeah, you know, right. indication of anything really. So. That that I mean they could have set that up. I don't know, but right. that like corroborates a little bit like what the Shermans have reported. Um but yeah. it's a lot, like UFOs and all this stuff. I don't know. But I mean what so what are we thinking? I guess if we just focus on the cattle stuff, I mean, what are we thinking here? Like why it's kinda like you were saying on I think one of our last case episodes. So we're saying aliens come from fucking light years away to just core out fucking cow rectums and eyeballs. And they're just like, maybe that's like gold to them. They're like, I got a bag of cow buttholes. Check this shit out. Like why? Like, I don't understand why are it's, you know, I don't got know. Some cow udders here. <laughs> yeah, Like that. They're just <laughs> fucking fascinated with cows. Cow intestines for sale. <laughs> yeah, like, like I don't get that, that's exactly right. Like why the cows? Why not humans? Well, I mean, apparently humans have been abducted, but like there's been way more reports of cattle mutilations and like abductions per se. Yeah. And maybe that's a certain type of alien. They like need these parts of the cow to like save their species or something. I mean that's a fucking <laughs> that's what we're thinking. <laughs> I'm just trying yeah, to connect the dots here. I don't. It, I guess you just have to trust in the person that's telling you the information. Okay. But like I said, it is weird. But like, because in the new Skinwalker series, like they did have, like there was, like it was on, you know, it was in the show. Like this cattle was dead on the ground. There was no blood. Is right. there any like, uh, besides the show? Is there any documentation of this other than just their word? 
Yeah, if you watch that, plenty uh, actually. Yeah, if you watch yeah. that hunt for Skinwalker, they have a bunch where they're like looking at. It's just th- that's basically what that whole documentary is. The one by Jeremy Corbell or whatever. Like, it's just all of this um archived footage from George Knapp of just these fucking dead cows. But again, it's like Billy was saying, like, it's not like they came across it like it just shows the footage of a dead cow like i don't fucking know how that cow died they could have easily set that up you know yeah right um and you can't prove it either way yeah but. so it is i mean it is it, like if we take this at face value as like this is how it happened like this one the kid saw like five minutes earlier and then it's completely drained of blood got its butthole cord out like that's a, yes that's a bit fucking weird the one with the snow and stuff that's all weird. that's also weird i was i was listening so to weird. uh i was listening to some old coast to coast with uh colm kelleher who um helped george knapp write the book i didn't Fish realize coast? i didn't realize he was an irish gentleman but anyways he's on there talking about like he was a part of the nids investigation he was saying that they have evidence of like they found cows with like broken legs and shit indicating that they were like dropped from a height um, which I mean, again, like that stuff is definitely strange if, if we are to take their word for it. Um, now in April of, um, of 1995, uh, the weirdness dramatically escalated, we'll say while checking his cattle one evening, Terry saw a silent glowing object pass over a 50 foot tall cluster of trees located on the border of one of the fields. Um, now, after a few days, a few days later, Gwen saw another unexplained flying object. It looked like headlights, uh, but they were a little ways away from the craft. It just lit the whole side of the mountain up like it was broad daylight. Now, the most spectacular aerial phenomenon, aerial phenomenon they observed was described by Terry. He says we would see these hundred foot circular openings appear in the sky. It was like four orange-colored doorways would spiral open. Uh, now, looking through a high-powered scope, the Shermans watched as small craft would emerge from the hovering portals, fly around the property, and then re-enter the doorways. Uh, the Sherman described the stealthy smaller craft as being 60 by 40 feet and squarish with short wings. The small craft looked like they were flying a grid. They also appeared to emit spikes of light, which hit the ground. Now, the Shermans thought this was some sort of navigational system. Uh, so, you know, pretty fucking strange, pretty bizarre tale. Uh, flying the grid, that's a little weird. Um, now, one of the other tales I saw that kept cop- popping up was of these bulls. Um I guess, like we said, Terry was like a, a great cattle breeder. He had these prize bulls. And they reported uh, leaving the ranch one day and discussing how they would be financially ruined if their prize bulls were lost. Now, upon returning, they couldn't find the bulls, guys. Um, so they're looking all over the fucking ranch. Now, eventually, they found them locked in a small trailer on the property in an apparent daze. And upon being discovered, the bulls awoke and destroyed the trailer. Now this is weird, and they talk about this in the in the um, in the documentary, the the film. But it is strange. Like, so th- if we take this again, we take their word for it. Something was able to get like all these giant bulls in this fucking small trailer. I mean, that's pretty fucking odd, right? 
How many bulls are we talking? I think like six or something. I mean, it had to be a good amount of fucking bulls there crammed in this trailer. What are we thinking? This is back in 96. Hell of a year for the bulls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, different <laughs> yeah, kind of bull. Exactly. Different kind of bull. Uh, I mean, that's fucking weird, right? Maybe someone was trying to jack the prize bulls. And then, then the, and how would, but what I'm saying is, how would somebody do that? It's not drugs. like you could just wrangle up bulls. <laughs> they shot them all of drugs, like uh, with a tranquilizer dart they got yeah. down in Mexico. Most powerful gun on the market. That's awesome. <laughs> they <fucking laughs> drugged all the bulls. Is that no? The, that, that's pretty crazy because you fucking, can't just you can't just well, like move a said, bull without like a crane, a lifeless yeah, bull. Well, <laughs> you can't just like you know like cowboy wrangle some bulls you know, and I mean, shove them in a maybe trailer. if you had like eighty John Waynes or something. But but like, yeah, and, and it know. also again back to like are these fucking aliens or this phenomena is fucking Bam Margera like playing pranks? This is like something we'd see on Viva La Bam. You take know? all these bulls and put them in a trailer. <laughs> We're gonna put old Phil's bulls in a trailer. <laughs> And then Steve O's gonna go in and just you know, yeah, it's like, like ass ran by the bulls. Yeah. Um, so you know that's again a weird, but that was like one of the biggest stories that people kept telling. And again, you know, there's no evidence of that except for a dented up trailer. Um, Good damn bulls did to my trailer. <laughs> now, now God damn it, Michael Jordan. Now it goes on like this. You know, they're seeing all types of strange stuff, um, but. The straw that seemed to kill the camel was coming. Uh, so by the fall, events seemed to ramp up as Terry and Gwen reported seeing the lights in a field one night. Now, Gwen grabbed her binoculars, focusing in. She, she was shocked to see a square lighted structure sitting on the ground. Now, before the light blinked out, Gwen caught a glimpse of a large, heavyset individual seated in the object. A short time later, the craft appeared again. This time, both she and Terry watched through a 60-power spotting scope. They could see a figure standing next to the object. Now, Terry described the person as being over seven feet tall, decked out in totally black uniform. It was the bulls. <laughs> and the Shermans noted <laughs> that the being appeared to have a visor or something shiny on its face, because the way the light glistened off its head. Dennis Rodman came yeah, out yeah. to the ranch. Turns out, <laughs> oh turns out it was just Dennis Rodman on the ranch. <laughs> nah, he's in North Korea. Yeah. Um, now, another eerie phenomenon started to plague the Shermans when they started noticing glowing blue balls moving around the property. Now, the balls gave off a crackling sound and seemed intelligently controlled and could hover or move unbelievably fast. Now, one evening, they watched as a blue ball approached one of their horses. The light hovered within a foot of the horse's face, seeming to spook it. Now, from a distance of 10 feet, Gwen shined a flashlight on the blue globe, and it quickly retreated. It then approached Terry, as if to sort of inspect him. Now, Terry described it as a glass ball about the size of a baseball, which appeared to contain two blue fluids, which intermingled with each other. And Terry said, quote, That was the scariest I've ever been in my whole life. 
Now, one night, they noticed this same sort of strange orb, and the Sherman's three dogs took off chasing it. Now, Gwen and Terry watched as the dogs followed the glowing globe into a wooded area. They lost sight of the ball and then heard a piercing yelp from the dogs. Now, when the three dogs did not return, the Shermans were terrified and decided that they better wait until morning to investigate. Now, the next day, Gwen and Terry found three burned circles in the woods, and in the center of each circle, they discovered a greasy blob of what looked to be shortening or melted lard. Now, the trees above the burned rings also had a scorched appearance. So in other words, whatever this phenomenon was, whatever this orb thing was, basically butterized their dogs. And see, I fucking hate this. You know, I fucking hate anything, any movie, any scenario where they kill the dogs, dude. Cattle's fine. Yeah. Mutilate all the cattle. You I know, mean, I eat a ton I mean, of burgers. I eat burgers that's all I'm saying. day. I love know? filet mignon. Like, yeah. You know? But when I, I see I love- a dog, you know, getting killed in a movie, I fucking can't stand it, dude. You got to protect yeah, the dogs. Like- and furthermore, these people hear their dogs yip and they don't go out. They go to sleep. I got to go back to sleep. Yeah, I would not. I would go. I would go chase my dog in there. You got to save the dogs, guys. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. See, your, your dog's like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. You're going to protect me. Now, it, it was just, it, it's just weird. It's like. Okay, so the aliens are about the cattle, and they're like, oh, well, you know, we'll fuck up some dogs, you know? We'll do that, too. We'll just vaporize them real yeah. quick. Uh, I, I mean, dude, it's fucked up, dude. Fuck these fucking aliens, if they are aliens. Um, now, this seemed to be the final straw for Gwen and Terry, as it would have been the final straw for me as well. Um, <laughs> they just couldn't go on without their dogs, and feeling that they could no longer guarantee the safety of their children they decided to call it quits. Without the dogs. What do you mean? Children aren't safe. Yeah, I mean, well, I think also they didn't <laughs> like want the their... dogs What, what if anything? their kids got butterized, dude? I mean, huh? imagine that, dude. It's one thing to have your dog butterized, then your kid gets butterized one day playing in the fucking field. Well, they got to get out of there. Try to go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll look forward to it. Do it like Jeffrey Dahmer, you know? Just spread them across <laughs> some, like, some bread. Yeah. Um... Jesus Christ. Uh, now, they would, put up, they would put the place up for sale and wash their hands of the whole situation. Now, this is where we enter the picture, Robert Bigelow and our scientific research. Um, so Deuce Bigelow's come into play. Now, hearing these stories in the Deseret News article, this led billionaire UFO enthusiast and Las Vegas realtor Robert Bigelow to buy the ranch from the Shermans for $200,000 in 1996. Not bad. I know that's right. Honestly, is that not bad? I think that's bad, dude. 500 acres for 200K? That's fucking insane. But but back in 1996... <laughs> oh, well, uh, back him. in 1996, yeah. though, like still in 96, money, I feel like that's <clears throat> fucking that's cheap a shitload for, of that's land. That's so dude. much land. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess the Shermans got fucked. I was uh, I was doing some research trying to find like the, the land, land records. Yeah, I was trying to Can't find, the find anything, but <laughs> you can buy like a couple acres of land right, literally like bordering the ranch for like. 
anywhere from two hundred to six hundred thousand, depending on how many acres you want. How much what's would the you average? Yeah, what's one acre? What would one acre be? Uh, I I didn't see that, but I saw like a three acre parcel for like one ninety six, I think, out there. So I mean, you take into account that's five hundred. That's pretty insane that now you can buy basically for the same price only three. Guys, we start a Patreon. We buy one acre of land and set up a studio on that acre, and yeah. we offer tours. Oh, we research. offer yeah, and, stu- and study. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We'll just we'll hire scientists <laughs> and stuff. Right I got my friend fence. that I'm going to be talking about later in the episode. We could just be like, "Hey, man." Yeah, just right on their fence. Him. He can fly drones over for us. Maybe exactly. we can get some uh, government funding, boys. Yeah, it'll be What's like two hundred k to them. You know. Okay, so Chump all right, change. so yeah, he buys this this ship for two hundred k and ninety six. Now Bigelow actually bought the ranch for less than the Shermans paid for it. Now, like I said, I couldn't find what the Shermans paid for it, but I did find Can't numerous find anyone paid for it. Yeah, but I found numerous articles saying that Bigelow bought it for less than the Shermans paid. Um, now Terry also sold Bigelow a select herd of cattle. And was hired on as an overseer for the operation. Now, as part of the deal, the Sherman signed a non-disclosure agreement, which barred them from making any further statements about the ranch or their experiences. So this is like this begs the question of like, we can say, oh, the Shermans were just doing this shit to inflate the price of their ranch, make a profit. Um, but as we see, that wasn't the case. So, I mean, what are we thinking about? The Sherman selling their ranch or their tails or this guy buying it. I mean, anything right off the rip. I think it must have been like a pretty significant, like it must have made waves in the media for Bigelow, like someone of that stat, like status and like this billionaire at the time in the 90s, you know, to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get I'm going to buy this and get the the government to like, you know, go in on this with me. Well, I don't. That crazy. wasn't his plan off the rip. He just wanted it for himself. I mean, we'll get into it because it. Well, no. All I like. All I was gonna say was just it's because you think about how many people have been talking about UFO sighting sightings and stuff for you know so long, and it's like you know maybe they make newspaper articles or you know whatever, but the fact that the Shermans were able to like make that much noise to get like. You know, I mean, $200,000, yeah, like, they probably got ripped off by Bigelow, but at the same time, (laughs) like, at the same time, though, it's like, okay, well, how many other people were reporting similar stuff, but yet they just lucked out with... Yeah, and again, that could be... Yeah, exactly. It could just be right place at right time. I mean, Bigelow's from Nevada. The Desert News is, like, in that area. Perhaps he just happened to see that article one day and was like, oh, I'm a billionaire. Let me fucking... Grab this up for some this research. This is my ranch. Now. Uh, yeah, because exactly. That's probably exactly what happened. And then you know the Sherman just ended up ha- like they 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 maybe that was their goal or maybe not, but it worked out for him, I guess. Because once Bigelow purchased the ranch, he established the National Institute for Discovery Science, also known as NIDS, on the grounds, uh, and set out to put up substantial surveillance all over the property. Now, the goal was, of course, to study what exactly was going on there. As Robert Bigelow had stated, aliens are, quote, right under people's noses. Now, a bit, I guess, of a background on Bigelow and his motivations for people that might not be familiar. 
This guy was like a, a real estate mogul, I guess we'll call him. He made a bunch of money in the budget in suites, um, the hotel or motel, whatever you want to call it. Um, this guy made a shitload of money. He was he is into the paranormal already. Like his family has had experiences, so he wanted to like study that. So he basically became a fucking billionaire in real estate. Then uses all that money to just kind of, not all that money, but he uses a good amount of money to do um, paranormal research. I think Knapp was talking with Art Bell on a Coast to Coast episode, and he was saying that he would say um, Bigelow is probably the person. Like he's put the most amount of his own personal money into paranormal research, UFO research, it like more than anybody in the world, he would say. And it's like this guy also owns like aerospace companies that have that make like rockets and shit. He's like gone to space. This is like if Elon Musk was obsessed with like the paranormal, you know? He is obsessed with aliens. I, but he doesn't think they're real. You know, he goes on Rogan and says, he like, is an alien. The, the, the aliens aren't real, Joe. So yeah, like, he's like, I remember he aliens. was like, exactly. He's like, oh, there, there's like a phone in like every single person's hand. And you can't tell me, you <laughs> yeah. know, there's like no like, like real evidence. Musk doesn't care. He's a bit of a troll. Bigelow, I think, is genuinely into this shit. And he actually want like from listening to the NIDS people on Coast to Coast and shit, I think they genuinely wanted to like look at this from purely like a scientific standpoint because you look at so many of these organizations like MUFON and shit like that where it's it's more just guys kind of like fucking around you know they're just taking stories at face value like these guys were well they're straight also up, not billionaires they yeah but they still the have they funding want. they still have a shitload of funding i mean this guy i mean dude I'm think I think this guy genuinely started out as fucking genuine pure motivations of wanting to research this stuff, find out what was going on. Now, of course, when stuff like things start to come out and people start to kind of vilify this guy of like, oh, he's the government shill, he's working for the CIA. It's fucking <laughs> classic. It's classic like government ufology shit. Um, no, I'd, I'd I'd have to agree with you, Ryan. About like you know, he was probably just some. It, well, he was a billionaire that was just really interested in paranormal things and UFO lore, and you know, like he was probably just like fuck yeah, like I have the money to spend on this. Yeah, like, why not? Let's like study this from an objective standpoint. Let's try to like get some like hard evidence because we you know we always talk about hard evidence or whatever. That maybe that's what he was trying to find. Yeah. Well, that is what he was trying to find. Maybe that's not right. findable is what it is. So the NID True. scientists, um, they install a command post. They built new fencing around the perimeter of the property to control access. Um, they constructed observation posts in the pastures. They staffed the property with trained observers. They set up 24-hour surveillance equipment. Um this effort constitutes the most intense and thorough surveillance of a UFO hotspot ever undertaken. Um, now, very soon, they began to witness a bunch of strange phenomena, including lights in the sky, yellow-eyed animals that couldn't be identified, and the mutilation of a cow, which took place less than an hour after it had been tagged by the ranch manager. Um, now, again, what made this bizarre was that despite having been disemboweled, there was no blood anywhere around the cow. It was as if the area had been forensically cleaned, they said. Now, 
as we said, you know, Bigelow's team, they wire the ranch, they study the ranch, uh, but they're unable to make progress due to the character, quote unquote, of the phenomenon. So the equipment used by the NIDS team seemed to come under attack. Cameras would malfunction, wires would be yanked out of casings, it would break some equipment. Now, despite all of this, whatever this phenomenon was, would appear to them when untracked as if it was just trying to keep them interested. And you gotta, you gotta remember, this is like what, 96, 97. I mean, this isn't like high tech equipment. They're, they're using like fucking VHS video cameras and CCTV and shit. You know, it's not like now where you, we got a fucking camera in our cell phones. It is. So it isn't that it isn't as, uh, I guess, simple as it would be today, you know? Um, well, it, it's strange. Just just a really, really quick uh, comment here. I mean, like with them saying all their technology malfunctions, like it weirdly corroborates with uh, my friend's story that we're going to get into later yeah. on, you know, just kind of like the weird like tech failures that just there's no explanation for them. You know what I mean? Um, just it's just weird. Yeah, like one of the uh, I was again one of the interviews that uh, Kelleher did with Art Bell. He was talking about like um, so they had these cameras on these massive posts in this field, and they were yeah. recording twenty four hours a day. They had cameras pointed at those cameras, and the ones on the post, like they went out and they they went to go like look at them, and like the cords at the top were yanked out like seemed to be cut and they were like, Oh, perfect. We got the other cameras looking at it. We're going to be able to catch whatever this was. And there's just nothing on the camera. Like it just happened. So, I mean, that's pretty fucking weird now. Very strange. Colonel John Alexander. Uh, this guy was a retired army intelligence officer who worked with NIDS and he theorized that this was some kind of precognitive sentient intelligence at work. Uh, This was a uh, phrase that he coined. Now, so he said this thing was able to intercept the plans of the team and sabotage their tools before they could record the phenomenon. So, for example, the phenomenon, whatever, um, seemed capable of anticipating the moves of scientists. If they place extra cameras and personnel in the southern field, the activity would pop up in the northern pasture. If they concentrated their observations in the center homestead, the activity might move up to the ridge overlooking the ranch. So it was all, it always seemed to be one step ahead of them. You're fucking with me. <laughs> yeah. They're, like I said, just trying to keep them interested. Now, one of the, I guess, strangest documented events I was able to find was uh, this ice circle. Uh, I have a picture of this here, which I'll put on the Instagram. Um, so. The caretaker for the property was patrolling the grounds early in the morning. Uh, As he walked past a watering hole, he noticed an odd circular impression in the thin ice that had formed overnight. Something had carved a perfect circle in the ice. Now the circle was circle. Nice. Now the circle was just under six feet in diameter and seemed reminiscent of the crop formation seen in English wheat fields. The cuts extended only a quarter inch into the ice, and the ice itself was another quarter inch thick. So the question is, how could this have been done? Someone standing on the muddy bank would have left footprints, and the only prints were cattle tracks. 
The ice itself was so thin that uh, it could support almost no weight and certainly would have cracked or broken if someone was standing on it and carving into it. Uh, Could someone have suspended themselves above the ice and carved a perfect circle? How? And more importantly, why? So NID's team, um, they followed the scientific method, connected and analyzed ice shavings from the spot, took readings of magnetic fields, EM radiation, checked for tracks throughout the area, but found no clues. There is no natural explanation for this event, and it has never been reported to have taken place at the ranch ever again. So, I mean, what are we thinking there? Ice circle. That's strange. I've, I feel like like there would be some tracks or something like they're, you know, because they're studying these things with equipment and they, they, they're spending tons of money, you know what I mean? And like trying to gather evidence and it's like, it's just weird. Like someone would need to walk on the ice with some, <laughs> you know, like how? Yeah, it, it is. And it is strange. Like, I mean, I guess they could have like put a crane out there and suspended somebody like Mission Impossible. But no style. one noticed the crane. Like, well, no, just, if, the, if they were, I'm saying if they were setting this up, if it was oh, a hoax. Yeah, like yeah. if this was a hoax. Um, but I don't know. I mean, this is strange. And again, this was like one of the only things I could find that I thought was like, okay, if we're taking their word for it, that's very fucking strange. Right? Looks like the aliens are doing their own tests. Or maybe that that's where the craft landed or something, dude. Burned a little fucking hole in there and then took off. Maybe. Very strange. Mutilated right. some we'll cattle across the yeah. thick ice. Uh, now, NIDS eventually disbanded in 2004, uh, you know, due to the way things were going. Like we said, they weren't able to get any evidence. There's no substantial evidence that was gathered. Um, so, like we said, NIDS, 2004, they disbanded. Or did they? <laughs> so... Here's where things get a little strange, get a little fucking history channel for you. Um, Now, a few years after Nid's shut up shop, Bigelow received a letter from a senior official at the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency. This gentleman was named James Lekatsky. Now, this guy had read the book Hunt for Skinwalker, and he was curious about the research that was being done at the ranch. Um, So they said, hey, why don't you come out, take a visit? Now, according to one witness report, the DIA official was confronted by a vivid, multicolored, shape-shifting object that floated in front of him before quickly disappearing. So at this point, this guy is fully on board. You know, he's fucking sold. He's like, this is fucking weird. What the hell is going on here? We got to look into this. So Bigelow contacts Senator Harry Reid. This guy's a Democrat from Nevada, and I think he became like fucking House Majority Whip or some fucking bullshit like that. I don't <laughs> some I, bullshit. I don't know how that shit all works, but this guy was high up, high up official, a fucking senator. Now this guy just happened to be a close friend of Bigelow's. Apparently, Bigelow was an avid supporter, and he donated over ten thousand dollars to Reed's campaigns. Mm. Um, now, he tells him about Lekatsky's experience, and Reed says, okay, you know, maybe these guys are onto something out here. Now, some speculate that all of this is what led the DIA with Reed at the helm to initiate the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, also known as ATIP, which 
We know from all this Pentagon UAP stuff popping up in recent years, and one of our favorite figures, whistleblower Louis Elizondo, who some believe was the second director of that program. Now, we've talked about this program before. Uh, ATIP's primary goal was to research wormholes, warp dive, warp drive technology, UFOs, UAPs, and other unexplained phenomena. A sort of real-life X-Files, if you will. Is this the guy that's friends with Tom DeLong? Yes, that is, that is him. Now, now even <laughs> yeah. all of this is murky at best. Uh, because some documented officials have gone on record saying that ATIP wasn't the true name and ATIP was sort of a, <clears throat> a placeholder name, a cover name, interchangeable, or it didn't even it wasn't even a name at all. Now others say that it's made a- up. Yeah, others say ATIP wasn't a true program at all, but more of like what this Lou guy did in his spare time. Like the Pentagon was like, okay, Lou, if you want to fucking look at UFOs, yeah, sure. And in Here's his spare money, time, do it. yeah, and he was like, well, I'm the director of ATIP in his spare time. I don't think they gave him any money for this, any other money than he was already getting. Like a lot of people say, Lou, Lou, he made kinda, it up. Not like I guess fluffed it. We'll say, like you know how you judge yeah. up your resume to make it sound better. Okay, it's kind of like that. Director of ATIP, huh? Yeah, because apparently. Lekatsky and Harry Reid, they drew up a scope and objectives of what an official Pentagon investigation into this phenomenon would be, and this became known as Advanced Aerospace Weapons Application Program, otherwise known as OSAP. Now, OSAP is apparently the true ATIP. Now, in this scope, they didn't mention anything about paranormal or even Skinwalker Ranch. It's mostly like hey, we're going to back engineer, we're going to study this thing and try to back engineer this for like weapons, defense type shit, a lot of technical terms like that. Basically a way for them to spin this as legitimate research. Mm. Now, Reed then acquired $22 million uh, as a budget for this program. And I mean, that's just a fucking drop in the bucket for what these guys spend. Um yeah. Now, this contract or this scope was put out for companies to bid on in hopes that, you know, I mean, this is how the government operates. You know, they put out bids. So they say, hey, guys, this is the scope. This is what we want to do. So companies like Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, shit like that are all going to bid on this thing. And I actually went on Sam.gov and I found the original bid. I'll, I'll actually link this in the description as well. Um, you know, there's records of this bid, when it was fucking put out to bid, who bid on it. Um, so, you know, you think all these companies are going to bid on this thing, but there was one company that put in a bid and was awarded the $22 million, and that was Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies, mm, also known as BASS. Hmm, never would have guessed was that one. Owned by none other than Robert Bigelow. Um, so one intelligence off official, uh, later told the New Yorker, uh, there were some government officials who said we shouldn't be doing this. This is really ridiculous. This is a waste of money. Uh, but Harry Reid's clout ensured that the program remained in operation, working in direct collaboration with Robert Bigelow and Bass. No conflict of interest, even though he owns the ranch. Well, I, again, I don't. 
I mean, that's fucking, <laughs> exactly. that's how you get funding, you know? That's how fucking scientists get, you know, like we talked about on, I think, our MK Ultra, like them, those scientists, like, compromising their morals in order to get funding from the CIA, you know? It, this is fucking no different. I mean, honestly, that's fucking cool that our taxpayer dollars were going towards legitimate uh, UFO research, right? That's better than some of the shit the government wastes money on. Yeah, well, that's what they say it's going towards. Okay, so what do you think? They weren't doing anything out here? Maybe they're doing some advanced weapons testing, and they're like, fuck it. We can. We got 500 acres to do whatever the fuck we want. All right, well, this... Uh, okay, so Bigelow gets the funding. He gets the bid. Um, now, this all led to the Bigelow subsidiary's publication of an almost 500-page document called the 10-Month Report. Now, this detailed numerous cases of unexplained aerial phenomenon, and it even described Skinwalker Ranch as a possible laboratory for studying other intelligences and possible interdimensional phenomena. Possible. Now, one thing they do mention in the report, which isn't in a lot of other Skinwalker stuff, is this hitchhiker effect. Now, did you guys get into any of this in your research? Oh, yeah. So this is, I guess, you know, it's fucking the classic, like, it's like the haunted mansion, you know, when the fucking ghosts are hitchhiking and come back with you. That's what I was going to say. Dude, that's what this oh effect God. is. So you ever it, ride, the, ride the ride? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Did the ghost come home with you? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Hitchhiker effect. Dude. I'm saying, did it come home with you, though? I mean, I saw it in the mirror. Did it follow you home? That's what they have at Skinwalker Ranch, a little fucking two-way mirror with the ghost. <laughs> Did it <follow> <laughs> when you're leaving? No, in, in it's April, in your car. Yeah, so in April of in an April 2022 interview, uh, Skinwalker Ranch team member Dr. Jim Segala addressed the hitchhiker phenomenon. Now he said, over the past five years, it has been our experience that when people interact with the phenomenon and do not treat the phenomenon with respect, that's when we see a higher rate of hitchhiker syndrome. Symptoms experienced by people range from acute neurological injuries to chronic blood disease. Jesus. Um, those who have told us they have brought home a souvenir often have some type of illness as well as their family members. Um, this data, again, comes from years of tracking and collecting data from those who have come forward. Now, what are we thinking about here? About the hitchhiker effect. Let's just focus on that for right now. Is this... Uh, so they essentially get sick. Yeah. Right? From all the phenomena. Exactly. It's like we see in the show with people digging and they Brought get Brought home sick. a souvenir. Brought home a little souvenir. What the fuck was that? Yeah, that, it's 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 weird. You know? Because, I mean, once again, the show could be staged. I know we're going to be getting a little bit into the show in a bit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just These weird. People I are like, the physical I, effects of that. Hey, Dad, I brought home a, a mutilated cattle. I got sick out here. Jeez, I was just trying to embalm this cattle. Well, dude, a lot of, uh, there's like a lot of uh, mysticism around um, ancient native lands. Like you ever hear that thing about Hawaii? If you take, if you take a souvenir from Hawaii, you're basically cursed until you bring it back. Oh, Pele. Specific, like if you what? take the Specifically rocks. if you take the rocks, yeah. I've taken many souvenirs. Yeah. I've bought many souvenirs in Hawaii. Yeah, you bought them. You Shirts and shit. You didn't steal volcanic rock from the islands. I stole sand. Well, 
That's different. Nothing's happened to me. You got COVID twice. <laughs> so is everyone. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So, we're thinking this is a connection to Hawaii. No, I was saying. <laughs> no, okay, I get it. <laughs> so we're going with back to the uh, Native Navajo. American. Okay, okay. All right, okay. So old Navajo curse. All right, so a tip, OSAP, whatever you want to call it, was eventually dissolved in 2012. As we know, you know, we saw the groundbreaking articles and shit. Um, they made their money. Well, and they moved on. Got it. Okay, uh, again, <laughs> I don't know. So there's been a bunch of debate over the exact nature of their findings and the, I guess this whole thing in general. And I don't Okay, so if they dissolve like let's say the scope was written, they give them the 22 mil and then they're just like, "Hey guys, we're not finding anything. Let's dissolve this." Is it like they're paying them out monthly or they just gave them a lump sum? Like cuz they didn't fulfill the contract obviously. So are they getting well, the full it, 22 mil? Does it even matter? Because wasn't it Bigelow's company that took the bid? Yeah, but still. So, if they so didn't, he's paying himself $22 million? No, that's what I'm saying. Is the government giving him the full $22 million up front? Like if this was an ongoing contract and he didn't fulfill it because they dissolved the fucking program, maybe he only got 10 mil, you know? Maybe he only got five mil. It's not like they're just like, hey, here's 22 million cash and then do whatever you want. Like, I, don't <laughs> I think, think that, that's what they did. I don't think that's the well, case. Well, probably not cash. What are you thinking about that, Bill? I, they may have paid him out in like arrears or something. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, what year did they yeah. s- did they s- the project start? 2006? Is that what you said? Uh, no, I can find the exact bid. Well, 2012, I think it was 28 or I think it was 2008 or 2009. Again, the timeline is so, murky on this. Okay, so let's just say that it like went for four years. Yeah, four years. Couple mil each year. If that's how it was set up, what and if this was like, like eh, we're not really finding anything. Well, what if this, this was like a 20 year scope, you know? I doubt that. It could, dude, uh, Bill and I worked in this industry, and you, that's not uncommon to see. Yeah, like you, you, you get paid out like you know X amount per quarter, or year, or whatever, and that's it. Yeah, and if you're not upholding your end, they fucking dissolve the contract. Maybe that's what happened here. I mean, again, I don't fucking know. Um, and you know, again, we can say, oh, this Bigelow guy, he fucking scammed. He fucking scammed him for twenty two million. But I again, I think this Bigelow guy was genuine. He's, I don't think he's scamming the government. I think he's using the system to his advantage to get funding for UFO research, which is fucking awesome. You know, yeah, that is bad. cool. And too it- bad we don't know any senators that are obsessed with aliens. We could get some funding. Well, maybe once you become a billionaire uh, guy that can donate to their campaigns. I mean, that's how lobbying works. That's how everybody gets their fucking things in government these days, right? Yeah. That's fucking cool that this guy was able to get it for paranormal research and shit. I mean, again, we've seen this countless times. Blue Book, they were looking into UFOs. MK Ultra, the fucking CIA was trying to mind control people. Stargate, the army was looking into remote viewing and psychic soldiers, the men who stare at goats, you know, this isn't, it's not out of the realm of like, that's so fucking crazy. Like the the army and fucking government has done way crazier shit than this. That is true. Right? I mean, looking into, 
UFOs and shit for possibly back engineering weapon systems is not that crazy, is all I'm saying. No, that's definitely fair. I mean, like you said, MK Ultra, there's been so many crazy operations and investigations that like you would have never guessed the government would would start, you know, digging into, but they have. And I do agree that Bigelow, you know, he was probably interested in this stuff and he knew Harry Reid and like he had that connection and he saw his end. It's badass. Honestly. He's got a fucking secured lobbyist to procure funding for UFOs. This guy's a fucking hero in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He's like what Tom DeLong wishes he could be. Exactly. You know? That's what Okay, yeah. and that's one of my points here. So, you know, I suppose this could be uh also like why we never saw a full report of findings and why NDAs are so heavy on this place. Like if they were truly finding something groundbreaking, that's all in the hands of the government. And, you know, no Freedom of Information Act request is going to get to that because, A, it's probably secret. Uh, and, B, you know, the scrambling of the names, the timeline, like you have ATIP, OSAP. So if people are putting in um, requests to see, like, hey, I want to see the files on ATIP, and they're like, dude, we never had a program of that. Meanwhile, it's really OSAP. You know, this is like Government 101. This is how they do that shit, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just, it happens. People don't really talk about it, but th these types of things happen, and it's it's super cool. And also, like, the video that a lot of this research, I found this video this guy did on YouTube. He's did a bunch of these um, where, I mean, he kind of discredits this whole thing from top to bottom. Like, he uses this video to discredit the whole, like, government involvement in UAPs. But I think the video is called like the basement office or something. Um, now, and this guy did do a bunch of good research into like the difference between OSAP, ATIP, but it's like that doesn't really discount the footage. Like we still have leaked footage. We have that Commander Fravor guy, like in terms of the UAP phenomenon, like the government has no clue what these things are. Uh, and the footage, you know, like, yeah, they could have fucked up the names. This could have been bad reporting. They could have scrambled things, like we said. Um, but it, it, he's more or less just like throwing shade at the New York Times reporting and this Lou Elizondo guy, which is questionable at best because it's like you were saying, like, <laughs> did this Lou guy, did he basically become like the Farva of the DIA? Like, he wanted to be on the inner circle so bad. Maybe he found out about this and he was like, I think we should be looking at that. Because his whole thing is like, he found out about this stuff and he says, we should be throwing more money at this UAP research. And they were like, dude, fuck off. So then he blows the whistle on the whole thing, comes out with Tom DeLong, starting this whole new company. Um and Which he's isn't like, isn't doing too good. Anyway. Yeah. And he's like, hey, why aren't we looking into this? I'm out here. I'm, I'm fucking blowing the whistle on this whole thing. But you really think the government just isn't looking at this? I'd say they 100% are. And they're probably like, yeah, Lou, go do this in your spare time. Like, we're actually trying to look into this. Fuck off. This guy's like, do you need my assistance in the field looking into <laughs> UAPs? And they're like, fuck off, Lou. We already have a black ops team doing this. You know, could that possibly be the case here? Well, I, I think, well, I did hear that, like, there is a government agency that recently changed their logo to add a UFO image to it. 
And then they took um, it down. It's part of DIA. Did they take it down? Yeah, because I've been seeing stuff on the like aliens Reddit about that. But then I guess just the other day they like took it off the official site. Like they pulled the UFO logo. Well, I mean, yeah. Like I, I do think there's a lot going on that they're trying to investigate. Um, and maybe it's a cover up for secret weapons testing or like technology testing. Who knows, but I think they're you know, they have come out to the public and been like, There are things happening in the skies that we don't know what the technology is. And, and we can't show you any <laughs> definitive proof because all of our technology keeps failing mysteriously. Well, no, that's what I'm saying <laughs> with the the video. We had a video, but then our camera shorted like, right before we could record well, like, it. Well, the Tic Tac UFO video is like out there, and there are certain ones, you know. There's the other one, too, from the East Coast of it. The gimbal, I think it's called the gimbal footage. Yeah, there's like, still dog shit, though. <laughs> yeah, but again, if the government's saying, I don't know what the fuck this thing is that's doing all these crazy maneuvers, no propulsion, like, you can't just be like, oh, that's fucking dumb because the government doesn't know what it is. That's still <laughs> fucking crazy. <laughs> you know? Uh, and with all the NID stuff, essentially, like, NIDs turned into bass is what I'm thinking went on here. And it's like I said, I do think NIDs and bass was trying to adhere to, like, strict scientific method type shit with the research they were doing. And a lot of people point to, like, oh, they're shills because they're not letting any reporters in. But it's like you don't see reporters coming into like any other research like any other scientific field if they're doing like cancer research or research into fucking vaccines and whatnot you don't see a bunch of reporters in there filming them like oh we're gonna sensationalize this story we're gonna fucking uh expose this story like it's just fucking scientific research it's probably boring as hell dude you know and if they do find anything they're getting 22 mil from the government, so they're probably going to fucking keep that pretty close to their chest, right? Well, they're certainly not telling us about it. <coughs> yeah, exactly. That's where I'm getting at with this whole thing. Like, if Nids, Bass, was actually finding some crazy shit, I don't think they're just going to put that out for public consumption, yeah. you know? And <laughs> like, go ahead and who run knows, this on maybe, the nightly news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they're pro- they may actually be paying media outlets off to not report on stuff, too, because I'm sure, like there's information that potentially was getting out to the media, you know what I mean? And they're just like, Hey, we'll give you like, you know, X amount of money to like, just hush about it. And that's probably why, I mean, that and the show now is like why you see all the fucking NDAs and shit, you know, it's just like, right. I don't know. I feel like the place since its involvement with the government has just become like more and more heavily guarded and that opens it up to a whole nother fucking can of conspiracy worms um (laughs) my favorite kind of worms (laughs) yeah so so what is the ranch now you know let's get into this because bigelow sold the ranch bigelow sold the ranch to a company called adamantium holdings for a cool 4.5 million in 2016 had to make uh, that government money back. <laughs> yeah, so 200K <laughs> to 4.5 mil, not that bad over a span of like 20 years, give or take. Um, Now, since taking over Skinwalker Ranch, Adamantium has, again, installed equipment all over the property, including cameras, alarm systems, infrared, and more. Uh, and the ranch has become the subject of the hit new reality show, The Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. 
uh, which has, is it two or three seasons? I'm pretty sure it's three, right? I believe so. Three seasons apparently does pretty well ratings wise. I think season one pulled in something like 15.2 million viewers. Um, Not too bad. Yeah. Now, obviously, since all of this, uh, there have been numerous books, shows, films on the subject, and the ranch has found its way into mainstream pop culture. And that actually, uh, when you speak of the show, Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, um, actually have a friend that has firsthand witness testimony of the weird going goings on at the ranch. Um, I'm not going to disclose his identity, but this was someone I had worked with at one of my last companies. Okay. Um, and obviously a good reporter never reveals his source. We got to keep this guy's name private. Yeah, for sure. Also, he told me that he did have to sign NDAs, which, you know, we were just speaking of NDAs. So this place is surrounded by NDAs. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can't uh, even find it, any uh, history of the property. Yeah, they should call it NDA Ranch. Pretty much, just change <laughs> the, the name. name. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so my friend, he's a LiDAR drone expert, um, and he was actually recruited to be on the show, Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, as you mentioned a second ago. Um, and I've seen the show, and, you know, as hokey as it can be in some parts, let's be honest. Right. He swears upon some seriously strange happenings at the ranch while they were filming season two, specifically. Okay. Uh, now is he can, was he in is he in any of the episodes? We can't disclose. Um that. no, I don't believe he's like shows up like in the show, but he's behind the scenes like the crew. Oh yeah, so just helping with the like mapping and that type of shit. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, specifically um his task on the show was to create digital models of the landscape via lidar and photogrammetry scanning. So he was manning drones and things like that. It, it was already a very challenging undertaking to start with as they were filming amidst, amidst the pandemic with a tight filming schedule. But some strange things started occurring after a short while of them starting to film. Okay. Uh, he accounts the first occur- occurrence happened when they flew a brand new drone that they had purchased, which was used to capture the landscape and 3D model it. They ran three scans of the ranch, but the fourth time they scanned, the drone would not land. Even though the tech was working perfectly fine on the first three runs of the scanning, it then ran out of battery after failing to allow itself to land remotely and fell into some shrubs. Uh, Rest in peace, drone. But it was just strange because this was a brand new drone. They did three, you know, completely fine scans Okay. And then all of a sudden, when he was trying to land it w- using the remote, it would not do it. And then, he, so he tried to manually land it, it wouldn't land. And then he tried to remote land it, like auto land it, because there's a feature with many drones where you can okay. it can auto yeah. land. And, and they lost, like, they lost that drone. They lost it. it. Just it he it wouldn't land. It just flew, ran out of batteries, and then crashed into some shrubs. And uh, they, so they never they recovered up, it. They lost a lot of good drones out there. Well, they lost that drone. They were able to recover <laughs> the uh, the the data on it. Oh, okay, really okay. Good Had a weird chemical odor and uh, its butthole was it. carved out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. What do we got now? But so so like I said, the drone got destroyed, landed in the shrubs. They were still able to recover the footage. 
So when they downloaded the footage from the drone, there was a strange anomaly right over the command center, which was and still is unexplainable to this day. Okay, and that anomaly, I guess, like what what was that? So the anomaly was essentially a bend in the data of the topography within the 3D scan. So essentially, I, and I saw a picture of it in the article and what he had told me. And essentially, it was just like, you know, like a 3D like model of the land. And there was just like this a weird like cut. It almost looked like a... Smudge on the You know, lines? like fault lines and... and oh, yeah. Um, like, um, what is that? Um, what, do you, what do they call that when they butt together? Um, tectonic plates. Right. right. Yeah. It was almost <laughs> like a, like a tic- that's what, I, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. I yeah. Think of it. But it was almost like a rift in that, like a divide, like an unexplainable kind of like just cut off. Do we know, is there a, is there a fault line there? Maybe it was picking that up. Maybe, but it was just weird because they had no explanation. I mean, like okay. objectively, right. scientifically, right. whatever. So uh, that was really strange. And then another event uh, involved my friend getting very, very dizzy for about an hour for no apparent reason whatsoever. And shortly after that, another one of his drones ended up being destroyed by colliding with something they really could not make a visual on. Now, this this whole this part was very strange because when we were talking earlier, or Ryan, when you mentioned earlier about like you know, these like weird, like lights that like the Shermans would see on the property and they would right. just like, you know, just appear out of nowhere, like craft kind of stuff. I mean, that's or like a portal or like a doorway. Exactly. So, um, one of his drones ended up colliding with something and just like, psh, just destroyed. Like it was just like, you know, um, they didn't, all, all my friend said was they saw this light. Or like this, like this light just kind of appeared, and like the drone seemed to hit this light, and then just fell to the ground. It was completely destroyed. Okay. Um, so at, at this point, obviously, you know, anyone I feel like would start feeling like, okay, something might be actually up at this ranch, and so yeah, because their technology just kept crapping out on them for no reason, and you know, keep in mind their equipment works pretty great. Uh, everywhere else and he does a ton of other projects all over the world so yeah okay and you okay yeah so obviously that's some strange stuff now to play kind of devil's advocate here is it out of the realm of possibility that this stuff is explainable you know like could his drone have just decided to shit out that day could the light have been like maybe another drone or just some weird like freak thing that it hit yeah, th- there could be like a a realistic explanation for it, but it's just weird because the technology was used various points on various different projects. I mean, like the technology was working at the ranch and then out of nowhere it it would just it would just wouldn't like the one drone that couldn't land for no apparent reason like <laughs> and it yeah, maybe that's... like what we talked about in Arizona um with like that weird energy like, you know, the last episode or, oh, yeah. or like magnetic ranch. Uh, magnetic yeah. It could be stuff. something like that, but still it's just, it's strange. Yeah, it is strange. Okay. Um, Hey, what's the matter with you? Land the freaking drone already. We need to get the footage. What? Yeah. What are you thinking of this whole stuff, Rob? I mean, definitely uh pretty weird. 
But I mean, are we? Uh, I'm buying into it a little bit. <clears throat> okay, all right. I'm not fully skeptical. Now, are there any show, other shows or movies you guys have seen? I mean, what do we think of all the shows, documentaries, movies on this shit? Um, what do you, I mean, the show is, like you were saying, it's pretty fucking hokey, like reality shit. I mean, it's just like any other fucking ghost show. You use the same pattern. You got all these guys out there with all this high-tech technology and right before they're about to cut to commercial break, they say, Don't dig. And coming up, we've seen something that we've never seen before. Right. And you have to think, when like, how much that, of it know? is actually <laughs> sensationalized versus, like, yeah. actual phenomena. You'll never guess what happens. Yeah. When we yeah, come like, back. you never guess. Something that has never been captured on footage before. Then it just cuts to your friend. God damn it, this fucking drone just <laughs> yeah, crashed. Yeah. I can't um, even... Can't even get the thing to land. No, you know, that's how this stuff goes. And it's just trying to keep people hooked. You know, I don't know if like, again, maybe this Fugal guy is like the next Bigelow. He's really interested in this stuff. I mean, he paid good money for the ranch. Doesn't Um, even visit it, though. Yeah, but again, is this guy just <laughs> I'm not like, going back is there. he deeply paranoid? <laughs> is he fucking, or do you think, so do you think this guy is as genuine as Bigelow, or is he just trying to capitalize with this show? Maybe he had the uh, hitchhiker syndrome. Maybe, but, but but see, like my whole thing is we see Bigelow genuinely interested. Like he's adhering to strict scientific method. This guy comes along and it's just popping out reality shows. Is that the best <laughs> way to investigate this? Well, the, the guy that owns it now, it's not just one guy. It's like a company, right? I think it's just his company. I don't know if, I mean, again, it could be a fucking uh, media conglomerate or whatever that's cranking out these shows they got the budget for that i mean i think it's definitely not as genuine as bigelow's maybe but obviously the guy's still interested in it if he's having you know all these experts come out there and film and map the land and has all these different technologies set up out there yeah okay all right it could be genuine curiosity it's just weird still that they have all this technology but still like no definitive proof that something weird's going on out there but minus the technology shitting out on them right right and that'll bring us into our theories because obviously you know with something like this there's a ton of theories um on the phenomenon you know and it seems to be no different than countless other ufo cryptid topics we've covered you know you've got the whole interdimensional theory you got portals some type of tear in the space-time fabric out there uh or you have actual real live like nuts and bolts aliens making contact and purposely avoiding detection possible government contact and cover-up in the area and of course there's the old navajo curse theory now there's also like we were talking about at the top of the episode this like evolutionary phenomenon, we'll call it. Um, and I think we've gotten into this or something similar on past episodes, but it's like the idea that this phenomenon, whatever it is, evolves over time and it manifests differently throughout the decades. This is why you have skinwalker stuff with the Native Americans evolving to like lights in the sky and crafts and UFOs in the fifties and sixties to beings and portals, you know, it's popping up differently as time goes on. 
So, you know, it's all those classic fucking theories. Now, hand in hand with all these, there's also a ton of skeptics out there quick to discredit the story from top to bottom. Or perhaps explain off some of the strange phenomena in a more logical manner. Uh, Now, Garth Myers, this is the gentleman we talked about. His brother, Kenneth, lived there for decades uh, before the Shermans got it. Now, he was actually interviewed in a later version of the Utah UFO display and has persistently denied knowing of any unusual activity at the ranch. Uh, He even got into an argument with Robert Bigelow um, when Bigelow hit him up and outright accused him of hiding the truth about UFOs coming to the ranch. Now, in Garth's own words uh, in the book, he says that about a month or so after Bigelow bought the ranch, He calls up Garth on the phone and says, you know, come on, dude. Why aren't you telling anybody about the UFOs? You're not being truthful about UFOs appearing at the ranch. Now, Myers told him no UFOs got there until the Shermans got there. Now, Bigelow responded saying UFOs were coming there. You had dogs keeping people away. And Myers said, hey, the at the most they ever had was two dogs. And the last time my sister-in-law lived there, uh, she lived there for five years with a three-legged dog and part of that time with no dog at all. And there were no UFOs. Now, from that point, Bigelow said, you're not telling me the truth. And uh, Garth said, if you don't believe me, we got nothing more to talk about. And he hung up and that was that. This ranch ain't big enough for the two of us. <laughs> now... Okay, so now if Myers is right in saying that his family never had any any noteworthy encounters in all their years on the ranch, this does seem to kind of throw a wrench in the whole thing of like why did things suddenly get strange when the Shermans moved in, right? That is a bit weird. That is a bit weird. Now, some ponder, you know, hey, did the Shermans exaggerate or even fully invent their experiences? We saw this with... Amityville Horror, I believe, right? Or the other ranch. Oh, a Bradshaw Ranch? Yeah. yeah. Now, perhaps they did this to drum up attention, inflate the price of the property, uh, which they did sell to billionaire Robert Bigelow. But throwing a, a counter wrench, as we said, they sold it for less than they paid for. So what's the reasoning there? Either they're really dumb economists <laughs> or they just wanted to get rid of the ranch. Like they're just like, you know what? Screw it. Like I'll, t- I'll take whatever I can get. And also we did see that like Bigelow brought on Terry Sherman as a ranch hand and had him sign an NDA. So was Terry possibly back ended some of that 22 million that Bigelow went on to get from the government? Maybe, you know, like if we look at it from that lens, perhaps the, the, the in the sale, they said, okay, uh, Terry says, I'll sell it to you for 200 K. So that way I'm selling it at a loss. I'll come on as a consultant. We really build this place up. You cut me in on a slice of the pie. You know, we don't know what was in that NDA. This could be all one big grift, uh, by the two of them. Right. Uh, could be. Yeah. Potentially it's like, okay, I'll sell it f- for you at a loss, but I, I, like he became a consultant and, you know, it turned into this whole thing that they're making documentaries on now and TV shows and stuff. Like maybe they foresaw it. You got to help me sell this story. If this was indeed how things went down, uh, how do we account for the multitude of unexplained events recorded by the Bigelow and Fugel <laughs> research teams? 
Uh, most notably, I'd say the cattle stuff in the ice circle. Uh, I guess even the stories from your source, Billy, like how do we account for this? Are we, I mean, it is really just their word at this point. No, I mean, I guess it, it's their word, but also, I mean, for like my source, my friend, like I have full trust in his credibility. Like he, he's always been a very like honest person, at least from what I've dealt with okay. him, um, professionally. And, you know, we were friends and we still are friends, yeah. you know, uh, but I, I trust what he's saying. I don't think he would like, he's not the type of person that's like trying to get attention. Like, I don't think he would make that up just to get attention knowing who he is. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. And then you do have the, the stuff off, you know, the hunt for, hunt for the skinwalker TV series where it's like, yeah, it could be, it could have been set up for sensationalism purposes, or it was actually, you know, the, that cattle mutilation on camera may have actually been a real event that they experienced. So, um, if that's the case, we do have documented quote unquote evidence of the strange happenings. Yeah. But again, also as Rob was saying, like George Knapp, he's been on, uh, I think he went on Joe Rogan. He went on coast to coast. And in both of those interviews, he says, yeah, NIDS never found any concrete evidence. So it does all boil down to firsthand accounts. Right. NIDS didn't, I guess, but they could have covered it up. I don't know why Knapp would have done that because I feel like Knapp's NO or MO has always been like, he's been trying to chase the stuff. Like that's been, you know, his primary objective. He was really involved with Bob Lazar, like getting his story out to right. the world. So I think like if there was information where that NIDS actually discovered like hard evidence of these occurrences, Knapp would have been like capitalizing on that like 100%. Yeah, but he says so there was never anything. It's weird that he was like, oh, there is nothing happened. You know? Now, now, well, he says no concrete evidence. It's all just firsthand accounts. Now, now furthermore, so right. if we're saying, okay, even if that stuff, if we're discrediting that stuff. Um, you know, how does this account for the unexplained phenomenon that has seemed to plague the wider Uinta Basin for generations? Uh, you know, the original Deseret Times article on the Shermans included a statement by Junior Hicks, who said, quote, I'd estimate over 10% of the population of the Uinta Basin have seen something. So what are we thinking here with those original UFO sightings? I mean, this was obviously before... The popularity of the ranch, George Knapp, Nids, all that stuff, and there's still fucking strange stuff going on. Could this be similar to Rob what you were saying last episode with the Skinwalker stuff? Like, yeah, perhaps these sightings were genuine, but then you have people just piling on, piling on, wanting to add their two cents to the story, and it becomes this whole other thing. Well, yeah, it's like every time something hits the news or the papers, then all of a sudden everyone's seeing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it is weird with the Utah UFO display. Like that wasn't a big book. That wasn't like a huge, like sensationalized news piece. This guy was just cataloging this stuff for years and found hundreds of sightings. So that is strange, right? I definitely think so. It is. Yeah. It's strange. It's been happening for so long. Absolutely. <clears throat> Now, if we look at some of this stuff, like logically, if we're playing skeptic here, um, in terms of the cattle theory, um, like we said, you know, that's fucking a weird anomaly. That's a weird phenomenon going on. Like, why are these aliens obsessed with cow buttholes, cow eyeballs? 
Um, now, one theory on the death of livestock in the area attributes the strange phenomenon to the toxic environmental consequences of fracking sites near the area. Now, this comes from an article on Skinwalker Ranch in the publication Utah Business, uh, which says the land is perforated by more than 8,000 gas wells and 2,000 oil wells and has been a fracking destination since the 1960s. Hmm, weird timeline. Yeah, Rolling Stone piece on the basin also noted that the region was fraught with carcinogenic gases like benzene, rogue emissions from oil and gas drilling. Uh, some also theorize that this is perhaps why there's no digging. Uh, furthermore, you know, in regards to the no digging, when the Myers sold the property to the Shermans, they in the sale retained mineral rights. So any oil or any shit like that that was found would still be owned by the Myers. Um, but I mean, what do we think in there about that possibly being an explanation for the cattle? You got... This fracking in the area, these weird gases, they said a chemical odor was present. They're just blowing <coughs> fucking holes into the cattle. Perfect holes. I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, that could be like a like the cow dies from this gas and then a predator come along and fucking eats its butthole and, and eyeball because predators <laughs> eat just the, eats its ass. Well, that's what they do. That's what fucking predators <laughs> just, do. They eat the soft tissue. That's all first. it does. Yeah, but weren't a lot of them that were found had like perfect circles drilled out of them? I mean, yeah, they say that, but okay, Maybe okay. It's just I mean, bullshit. this is again, this is just a a theory I saw of playing devil's advocate. Okay, I'm not saying this is true, but it kind of uh, kind of helps out with the chemical smell, that type of shit. Now, another one. This is one that I was I was interested in. This is the downwinders theory. Now, I was thinking about this when I was uh, in the midst of my research. So I decided to look it up. Now, we, we also got into this in our episode on the Manhattan Project. Shout out to uh, episode 58. Go check that one out if you're interested. Um, so downwinders, uh, that became the name given to tens of thousands exposed to fallout due to government nuclear tests at the Nevada test site. Now, I pulled this map here. And this shows... Got a couple downwinders. <laughs> yeah, we got a couple downwinders here. So check out this map. This shows like where all the fucking nuclear tests were conducted uh -huh. and the pattern, the wind patterns of where this radiation and fallout uh, would have potentially landed. Jesus. Now, look at Utah. It's just fucking hammered on this map. Um, so this shows all the hotspots of affected areas from nuclear fallout. Uh, I got actually a couple maps. Um, you know, you see this one. Basically, all of Utah is getting fucking hammered with all of this fallout from the nuclear tests. And from 1951 to 1962 alone, uh, the government detonated over 100 nuclear bombs at the Nevada test site. Um, and I pulled all this from a link I found on utah.edu, which I, I'll also link this in the description because... Dude, they have a lot of good resources here and they have like what one of the things is like the effects of radiation. Now, if we look at this little chart um, that shows these effects. So just if somebody is just exposed uh, to two to a dose of two to a hundred um, rads, I guess it's called RADs. Um, the health impact is 
Temporary reduction in number of white blood cells, mild nausea and vomiting, loss of appetite, fatigue, uh, which may last up to four weeks, and greater susceptibility to infection. Sounds like your boy, Bill. Right? Yeah. Could this possibly explain why this fucking sickness, the hitchhiker effect? I mean... You're getting down with the sickness? I mean, dude, think about it. This stuff, like the radiation wound up everywhere on produce in milk on the ground in the air now obviously it was at its worst in the 50s and throughout the 60s but as time went on this stuff is still there and i'd say a good majority of radiation from this fallout is likely covered by a layer of dirt possible reason for sickness associated with digging also i'm thinking the sickness in general uh with the area it is we see with the hitchhiker stuff like people take souvenirs. Is that fucking radiation poisoning? They're saying they're getting sick. <laughs> Could be. I mean, that's a. That's definitely a. That's a fair point. I didn't read. Like I knew that the nuclear like testing sites were out west, but I didn't realize that they were like, you know, like this was like prime, like the prime area where all that stuff occurred. So it would make sense. It would be a good explanation potentially for the cattle mutilation. Maybe not the mutilations, but the cattle deaths. Well, or even the, um, the human it, sickness, you know? The yeah. humans, like my yeah. friend, like you said, like, you know, that just got had that headache and felt dizzy. I mean, for, radiation, that stuff falls in line with that. Uh, and also, like, the show, the digging, the guy, said, remember the guy that's, like, doesn't want them to dig when they're like, yeah, anytime we dig, weird shit happens. There's and they're no like, digging. yeah, we can't dig. Yeah, and he's just like, He's like, oh, no, we're yeah, not digging. Get the, briefing. Like, the head of security, yeah, like Dragon, whatever his dude. name was. <laughs> Dragon. Dragon. And now he Dragon, wound up yeah. in the hospital. So ridiculous. That could just be some type of radiation, radiation shit. Radiation poisoning. Um, now, okay. And actually, in terms of the cattle stuff, Billy. So obviously, you know, the the nuclear fallout, this is, uh, this is classic government, classic fuck up, you know? Um, <laughs> and some also use the whole nuclear aspect to explain the cattle mutilations. So basically how this tale goes is that the government has realized, oh, we fucked up. We poisoned a good chunk of our citizens. Um, so they start doing some tests of their own. Now, obviously, they can't ask for volunteers to be tested. That would be admitting that they fucked up. So they essentially have these nuclear undercover, these like undercover plainclothes guys secretly taking test samples from cattle. Um, this explains the draining of blood, the surgical precision, pieces missing, like the eyes, rectum, other organs, and possibly the covering of their tracks. So, I mean, what are we thinking here? If we're playing devil's advocate, do we think that this possibly explains a good chunk of this phenomenon? Or are we are we writing this off as like mere coincidence? I think that's a pretty good explanation. Classic, classic government cover up. Oh yeah. Okay. So, so we're on. You're on board with that. Yeah. I think it. I think it makes perfect sense. I didn't even know that. Like you know, they were conducting tests. I guess like, oh, whoops, we po- poisoned like our own citizens for years and years and years. So let's like figure out what the damage, <laughs> the damage yeah. report is. You know what I mean? Like, let's go in there incognito. Let's not admit we fucked up. Let's just kind of make it seem like this weird paranormal. Maybe that's why, like, you know, DIA even got involved in the first place. It was like their own, like, little cover up to be able to, like, operate. 
like easier. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think the DIA stuff is just a whole separate thing in its own right. Um, because I do think Bigelow obviously is a fucking good businessman. He's good at securing funding. And I think he legitimately did that to try and study this phenomenon. But, um, I don't know. I mean, this sickness stuff, the nuclear radiation, it does explain a good amount of stuff. I mean, we still don't know about the sightings and maybe the original like Navajo legend type shit, but the nuclear test, I mean, since the same time that a lot of this sickness and weird shit was reported, it seems to kind of match up, you know? Well, um, also is, no, absolutely. I'm not sure how far away it is from the actual ranch property, but I'm pretty sure there's a, like a pretty big fort, army fort, army oh, base. Fort Duchesne's. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, they set that up to keep the uh, Native Americans in check. I know, but I'm saying it's still like an active base that the government uses. So you don't think that there's like, that could be an explanation maybe for the weird shit in the skies? I would say that's probably more of like Area 51 type shit. Because well, yeah. I don't know if, like, Fort Duchesne's, I don't think they're doing, like, secret testing there. I think that's more of, like, an outpost. Well, again, we know they're doing <laughs> secret testing at Area 51, which is not that far off. But well, who knows? There's this, and it's right next door. Oh, yeah. And they could this this could be back to our fucking, uh, I think we'd talk about this on. And then they're like, yeah, we'll throw some government money at this guy, get him to cover it up. Yeah, we talked about this, the underground bases on bada one of bing, our other boom. episodes, like possi- possibly a fucking government base that we don't even know about doing these tests. Now, now, now let's get into some conclusions to kind of round this one out, because all in all, uh, for me personally, this one seems to be more of a legend and myth, you know, that has just continued to snowball. Uh, you know, perhaps there were some genuine sightings back in the 50s, and I think that coupled with stories and legends from our first episode made this a sort of hidden gem of paranormal, uh, just waiting for someone to come along and put this on the map. Now, obviously, that did happen, and even more of a myth, more lore gets built up around the place, and now it's basically self-sustaining. You know, it's not like this is something that can be falsified. So you just continue to have legends and tales told about this place um, that draws in more people, more like-minded people searching for this stuff. They're in the mindset of weird and strange. And then the mysticism, the high strangeness, it continues to be magnified and grow from there. Um, You know, I mean, it's like we said, how much recording equipment has been brought to this place over the years and it just continues to come up with nothing. There's been three seasons of a reality show, quote unquote, and nothing has been produced to offer up any explanation or evidence. Now, on the flip side of that, even if they didn't find anything using the scientific method, that doesn't necessarily mean that nothing is going on. I mean, look at 5.8 billion people around the world who identify as religious, despite the fact there's no concrete proof using the scientific method for that. You know, it's like we said in our Roswell episode, at this point, aliens are essentially a religion, right? Yep. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not there. Yeah. Now, now to me, um, the tales, the firsthand accounts here are no more believable than Bradshaw Ranch. 
A little bit more believable. I mean, yeah, there's a few unexplainable pieces with this, and we have like pictures, evidence, logging. Um, but it's pretty much the same thing. You, uh, this one just got the spotlight, and perhaps you know Bradshaw Ranch copy and pasted from Skinwalker Ranch. Um, but it's like with this one, it isn't like nobody profited off this thing. You know, there's a hit TV show, there's books, there's movies. The property itself has retained value, probably will, yeah, probably will continue to do so. Um, you know, so many cases we've looked at before have like ruined people's lives and careers, but they stand by their story. Uh, and those could be just that stories. Uh, but with Skinwalker Ranch, at the end of the day, it is just that. It's like, I saw this. Do you believe me? Now, what do you guys think here? Uh, I mean, I think with every situation, it's, I saw this. Do you believe me? With 99% of what we talk about, you know, it's kind of like, but with, with Skinwalker Ranch, I think it's a little bit different because you do have the show that has, you know, allegedly documented some weird stuff like the cattle mutilation scenes, um, you know, the equipment going weird, people getting sick, which that could all be attributed to the nuclear weapons testing, you know, that you were just discussing um, a second ago. Okay. Uh, but I think like, you know, this versus Bradshaw Ranch, like Bradshaw Ranch didn't get the coverage and the money thrown at it, uh, you know, the notoriety like Skinwalker did. So I, I don't know. I think like, yeah, it is kind of a he said, she said thing. But at the same time, there's more on Skinwalker Ranch. Um, you know, when you look at the history and like how many people have been reporting sightings in the Uinta Basin, you know, we go back to the Native American lore, the legend of the Skinwalker. And then you have, you know, you have the show. And it could have been staged, but also at the same time, my friend experienced a lot of weird stuff there. So, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's this, this is a little weird. This is a weird one for me. I can't really say one way or the other. Okay. So, you're on the fence, though. Yeah, but I would say there's probably more evidence of weird stuff happening here, like more like concrete evidence, whether, you know, I'm just saying like videotape weird stuff, like cattle's on the ground, you know, stuff like that. But again, you know, like we said, that stuff still could have been staged. And it is like uh, you were saying, like Bradshaw Ranch just didn't get the funding. Now, does Skinwalker Ranch just have more on it because it got that funding? Like, if Bradshaw Ranch had got this funding, became this whole hotspot, would we have just as much video stuff, evidence, hearsay as with Skinwalker Ranch? Potentially, but then you know the one the to the one hole in the whole thing, and I really want to hear Rob's opinion on everything, but like. The biggest thing is like, okay, when you look at Bradshaw Ranch, it was that one family that moved in in the 90s. Like, all the phenomena started with that family with after they moved in. Like, everyone before never reported anything. And the sa- it's kind of a similar case with this when you look at the Shermans. Like, when they moved yeah. to the ranch, all this crazy stuff started happening. But the family that lived there before was like, yo, we lived, there, we lived here for 50 years and we didn't experience a single thing. Yeah. So, you know, you do have that discrepancy where it's like, okay, well... How do you rationalize that? Yeah, but you also have, I guess, which again pokes holes in that is that the wider you into basin, you have all those sightings from the fifties, and like we were saying, I guess this even the Skinwalker legend stuff itself, um, which I guess you don't see at Bradshaw. So I guess 
that lends a little bit more credence to this but i don't know rob what do you think i mean i think it's definitely weird that the myers were the first owners of the property correct uh yes and they didn't really report anything but also in doing research they they moved in in like the 30s so well, i think that was their like, family like uh because what 30s to 80 or well if it, if they homesteaded it in 1905 that wasn't them though that was someone that was their family because it stayed in their family from 05 all the way to 80 something yeah but i'm saying when i did my research it said like 1934 is when like edith and whatever yeah yeah that's when they got it which i think they were like so like let's say they were 20 then and then they had it until they were in their 80s well they had until they died they both uh, died there well yeah but i'm saying so 1930s like you're not really they probably have no clue what the fuck a skinwalker is if they did see some weird shit they're probably just chalking it up to a coyote or whatever and <laughs> it's not like they're going to go write a book on some weird shit they saw. Okay, so you think maybe they did experience one or two things but just never said anything? Well, I'm saying that like they probably just kind of like kept to themselves and then by the 80s they the guy died and the lady's living alone with her three-legged dog. So Okay. Maybe they just were just like, "Oh, some eh, some weird shit happened today or oh, whatever." Yeah. Okay. All right. And also they're like ranchers, so they're probably like going to bed early up at the ass crack of dawn. So whatever weird shit's going on on the ranch at night, they're probably not out there to see it. Okay. So, all right. But I'm I'm also s- still sticking to, I could believe the, the skinwalker thing to an extent just because I... I think there's a little bit more to uh, like the native folklore than there is to like everyone claiming that they see UFOs ever since Roswell happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I'm not discrediting UFOs. I'm just saying like I don't think that your fucking ranch is special and a fucking UFO visits it every night. I think maybe some pass over the area, but it's like. To what extent are you going to let this go on without any proof, you know? Okay, but you believe there's shape-shifting wolves out there running around snatching people up? Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. I, um, did, I did like your uh, theory of the plainclothes um, doctors taking their uh, samples, though. That's a good explanation for the cattle mutilations. Okay, so you think, again, this is a mix, yeah, okay. I, it's definitely a mix. All right, so let's 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 round this one out with a new segment I want to introduce to the show. This is our our new rating system. So on these case episodes, these case files, whatever you want to call it, we'll start doing a rating system of one to five. This is flat Earth to MK Ultra. Flat Earth, you know, least likely, least believable. You're not buying it. Uh, then we got number two, Moon Landing, uh, a little bit more believable, but you know, pretty much. Still not buying it. Uh, number three, we got nine eleven. That is the jury still out. You're on the fence. You don't know either way. Um, number four, JFK, little more believable, more credibility. There's more proof. You're believing this thing. And number five, MK Ultra, most believable, most credible. There's documented evidence proving one way or another. Uh, so 
Rating system one through five, Flat Earth to MK Ultra. Billy, what do you got? Man, I would probably give this a. Oof. I would say probably a JFK. You know, John F. Kennedy, Dealey Plaza. <laughs> okay. All right, there we go. Rob, what about you? This is getting the 9-11 rating from me. Okay, jury's still out. Because, Don't know one way or another. Because while I do like to believe in the the folklore of the area, and I do think that UFOs are a real thing, obviously, or I wouldn't be doing this fucking podcast, um, I think it's just it's hard to uh, corroborate everything just because of, as we discussed, there's no like definitive evidence out there besides fucking cameras short circuiting or drones crashing. Right. Okay. Maybe some radiation poisonings going on out there. All right. Yeah, for okay, so all three different on this one. For me, I'm going moon. I'm going I'm giving this one mm. a moon. Moonland. Uh yeah, moon like landing. I said, I think it's just I think the myth the myth stories like um and our ability to like want to believe that type of stuff, I think it's just too powerful. Um, and that's why this one is, is snowballed. Um, so yeah, for me, I'm giving this one a moon um, rating. And yeah, I think that there's a lot that fucking checks off the boxes. And it's like you said, no definitive proof. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm going moon on this one. Um, so there you have it, guys. Let us know what rating you give this one. If we missed anything, um, if you want us to talk about anything else, um, as always, feel free to shoot us a message, but there you have it for Skinwalker Ranch part two. Uh, now for this one, I want to cite 14 winds.com Skinwalker Ranch, all kinds of crazy, uh, history.co.uk Skinwalker Ranch, the definitive history of Utah's paranormal hotspot. Um, also Skinwalker Ranch has their own website, which is skinwalker-ranch.com. Uh, they have like a history up there of like who owned the property and shit, but I think it's, uh, just like a pitch for their fucking show and stuff. Um, now I also want to cite adventures in rediscovery.com. Uh, and of course the Utah UFO display by Frank B. Salisbury and the hunt for the skinwalker by Colm Kelleher, George Knapp. And uh, like I said, I will link the other stuff in the description for the Deseret News and the uh, radiation research, which is that that website really has a lot of resources, a lot of uh, research into that. So check out that stuff in the description. And there you have it, guys, on that one. Loyal Legion, as always, thanks for tuning in. Uh, feel free to hit us up on Instagram podcast from outer space or check out the website podcast from outer space.com where you can check out all of our merch and buy some merch buy some merch faux show <laughs> and thank you so much everyone for listening and tuning in every episode um i'm sure you know we got spooky season coming up uh we're gonna have some cool stuff coming up for you guys um getting into the halloween season so keep a lookout in the next couple weeks all right, Loyal Legion, we will see you on the flip side of the moon. Y'all have a great rest of your week. The mockingbird sings If it's just like my dreams Then I must go